Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. In last week's episode, we talked about impact and we primarily focused on negative impact, but we want you all to be aware that ADHD also can have positive impact. Cam? And and to further distinguish that, uh, Shelly, I think that people who have ADHD can definitely have a positive impact. I think that out in the media, we don't see a lot of that, right? Just look in the name. A lot of the focus is on the challenges of ADHD. But um, as both of us know, right, we've worked with lots of people over the years, and I've seen and witnessed many people with ADHD have positive impacts. And that we want our listeners to understand that they can have a positive impact too. And we're going to talk about that next week to consider how to have that positive impact or uh, pathways to having a positive impact. This week, we thought that a necessary step would be to talk about embracing unique brain wiring. Many people with ADHD tend to fight, fight with being their authentic self. There's the imposter syndrome that occurs. There's the thinking that they have to do wholesale changes. Uh, There's the thinking that they have to act like a neurotypical. And so this is really rejecting their own brain wiring. And so that as a lead-in or as a prerequisite to positive impact, we believe you really have to start with embracing your authentic self. Absolutely. Um, I tell clients that having ADHD is almost like seeing the world through a different filter, right? And the thing is, is the world is not designed for us. It is designed for neurotypicals. But when we, as people with ADHD, seeing the world through a different filter try to apply neurotypical solutions to our ADHD challenges. It leads to frustration, feelings of inadequacy, and oftentimes failure because we're trying to work against the way that our brain works. I think that to build out a a picture for today, uh, I always, I, I think about this expression of embracing ADHD it's it's very appealing for my clients and and we paint that as sort of a destination embracing ADHD and it's 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 not mine um pretty sure it was Ned Hollowell who made these distinctions but don't quote me on it but really in his work that he's seen people fall into three categories of those who don't manage their ADHD are not aware of it which is a, a, a large portion of the ADHD population. I mean, just think of the nature of ADD or ADHD, where it really throws up a veil between you and your awareness, between you and your experience. So people are not looking at the causation. They're not seeing the executive functions not working. What they're seeing is failure. Right? They're out at the effect place. They're out at the drama, the circumstance, the missed bill, the frustration with the missed bill. 
the the failure to meet expectations of a loved one and the emotions of that that's where they are and they're not thinking adhd they're thinking all kinds of things but they're not thinking executive functions or executive function breakdowns that's why you know, getting that diagnosis or learning about it knowing that it's real i mean we're still in a place shelly where that people really doubt that adhd is something Absolutely. I actually was confronted at a speaking engagement not too long ago, quite nastily about that. And I am far enough along in my own journey of embracing my ADHD that I was thankfully able to handle it with grace. But it's, it's true. There are, there are lots of stigmas. It is an invisible disorder, right? right. Nobody can see how our brains work differently. And that's where I'm so passionate about this concept of translating, right? right? The ability to advocate for yourself and explain to someone else what it's like to be in your head and why the cause and effect that they are assuming exists may be very different than the real cause and effect due to your ADHD. Right. So back to these three levels of there's those that do not manage are not actively managing. They may be coping. They may be coping quite well, that they found uh, an environment, they found a, a work situation that really works to their strengths. Uh, but again, it's they're not aware of their ADHD. They often are seen as like just personality traits, quirkiness, uh, eccentricity, right? Then there's the where many people are aiming is managing ADHD. So this is managing in the sense of the diagnosis, conventional approaches with medication, evolving or developing areas, which is, um, again, in the last 10 years around mindfulness, exercise, self-care, useful systems and strategies that support, but a lot of external support there. And then what Hollowell talks about is sort of moving beyond that, there's sort of transcending ADHD to this place of... Um, Embracing. What is it to embrace ADHD? And it's it's not about like just waving some kind of fairy dust that makes it go away or it's all good, right? But it's really embracing who you are and understanding who you are, right? Back to our the whole premise of this podcast is around translating ADHD. But the two steps before that is understanding and owning. Owning, in a sense, is like embracing to really understand your unique brain wiring and, and how your, your preferences for operation. So I'll give you an example. Today, I'm looking at my calendar and I've got several client calls, but I also have, in addition to several client calls and a class, I have four meetings with four special people. One, I am presenting at uh, National Chad in November, and we're developing our talk. One, I am teaching a class with. One uh, that starts tonight, uh, Coaching Effective Leaders with Ellen Fay. One, I am meeting with my copy editor and my website person that's helping me with that, Liz Hamilton. 
and one is with you here working on this podcast project. And 15 years ago, I didn't have this knowledge base, this knowledge base of what really matters for me, me knowing about how my brain works is that I work best in collaborative efforts. Everything that I've done to build beyond the basics is in a collaborative effort. Teaching, presenting, podcasts like this, working on my blog, it has been with someone else where I know their role and I know my role. And I'm clear in my role because I'm clear in my deliverables. I'm clear in my impact. And I'm clear in my impact because I'm clear in how my brain tends to work, right? And I can be my authentic self with these individuals. That was not always the case, Shelley. It used to be that I thought I needed someone else and I was always in a one less position, right? Down one. Like, oh, I'm so grateful that this person's going to work with me. Right, I'm nothing and they're something, and I'm going to just hitch my wagon to their locomotive, which is a mixed metaphor. <laughs> I'm going to hitch my wagon to their horses, right? Because I'm missing this activator for getting into engagement. But when I realized, wait a sec, I have something to offer. And if I learn about how my brain likes to work, it likes to work in collaboration to talk things out and to have a shared. Uh, sense of what we're doing on equal footing. We find our kind of how we work, the expectations, our deliverables, and that's my method for moving forward. But it all started back with me accepting me as my authentic self and accepting my wiring and not fighting it because for years I used to fight it. And I think that many of our clients who are, many of our, excuse me, our listeners we're listening right now are in that mode of fighting that, right? So many people, we tend to get things done, but it comes at a tremendous cost. It comes at a tremendous energy consumption, right? Many of my new clients talk about this exhaustion of getting battling their way through a week, you know, just getting limping into the weekend. And that much of that is kind of trying to be something they're not because of that shame and stigma. And, and it might be that, it, that you can't get up in your cubicle and yell at the top of your lungs, I have ADHD, you know, which would be nice, but that could cause some real problems. But being able to understand it yourself so that you can leverage it and you can talk about it in ways where you're not using it as an excuse, not even necessarily using the language of ADHD. Just like, you know what? I have an interesting concept of time. That's not admitting anything, but it's knowing that you have this, this way of seeing time and working with time. And it normalizes it. It normalizes it in a way where it takes away the emotional charge Yeah, I love that you used this example because I can sort of share my experience from the other side of our collaboration, right? So Cam, having this knowledge about himself, 
when I approached him with this podcast idea, knowing that he was the person that I wanted to do this with, he was very excited. He also immediately opened up the conversation about what's my role? What's your role? How are we going to do this? How are we going to structure it? How is this going to work? Right? And as you just said, Cam, your ADHD was not necessarily part of that conversation, right? So you illuminated a little bit more for me. But at that time, you knew what you wanted and needed out of a collaborative relationship in order for it to be successful. And so you were able to ask those questions and we were able to work those things out in a way that we both feel good about this collaboration. And that's because we both understand ourselves enough to know not even just what's good in a collaborative relationship and what's not, but some of the back end things, right? There's a lot of things that very fortunately for us sort of went along a natural split because what Cam is good at, I'm not so good at. What I'm good at, Cam might not be so good at or might not have the time for. And you know, we wouldn't be able to do that and we wouldn't have been able to hit the ground running like this with such a clear picture of who's doing what and how is this going to work without us both understanding our brains and what we need and what the potential stumbling blocks to action might be. So for example, this podcast is very loosey-goosey right now, right? Because we both decided that we just needed to get on the mic and pick a topic and start talking and put it out there and not worry about it being perfect or polished because we both know that if we worry about it being perfect or polished and we stress too much about the little things, we're never going to do the big thing of putting this podcast out there. Yes. So I'm going to interrupt. Can we, I I like spontaneous and dynamic. (laughs) You you can have your loosey goosey. I'm going with spontaneous and dynamic. That's what I'm doing. And I I absolutely agree with that. (laughs) We are spontaneous and dynamic. Yeah. So great examples there. And, and, um, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity also to, to look into, well, why, what gets in the way of embracing your authentic self, what gets in the way of really leaning into your unique brain wiring. And I'm going to share a couple things that I think that maybe to, for our listeners to just pay attention to sort of those behaviors uh, or practices that may not be working for you. So, so what I used to think was I, I was looking for someone to save me. Right, I'm looking for a savior, and you know, take uh, bookkeeping. When I first first started out, I did it myself, and then as I got more busy um, doing other things, I was looking to hand that off. And because it was so such a frustrating process, and again, recognizing it was frustrating because it was highly sequential, highly linear, highly anal- analytical, very much process driven, and my brain is much more wired for context and how things are related, big picture. But at that time, I didn't know that. And so I just wanted someone to kind of save me there, like just take it, no questions asked. I just remember like, uh, oh, just has someone help me, you know, flailing about in the pool, right? You're going to get someone's attention. They're going to throw you a line. And I didn't pay attention to the value of that connection of, of, 
I, I didn't think that it was all about the relationship. I thought it was about the service. This person would come in, do what I had, what I needed them to do, and it would just be fine, right? It'd be transactional. You wouldn't have to do the relationship thing. Just like here, do this. Well, and in so many times, I've got burned by people not holding up their end, doing um, not a good job, and then I'm having to like pay a lot of money for an accountant who did suboptimal, like really suboptimal work. They're still working today in my local town, and they're probably one of the most expensive accountants out there, and their product is crap. And they would have just kept going. And here I am paying all this money and not getting what I need. And it was not until I found somebody who, again, was curious about me and I could be curious about them and how we would work with each other, really leading, starting with the, the relationship part, right? Just as you and I did with this podcast of looking at how is this going to work, division of labor, right? Do we have a common goal? Right? Uh, do we do? Is our goal? Uh, you know, are we seeing that the outcome is is similar? But but there's that first thing is kind of like that wholesale. You know, here's something yucky, like like accounting or bookkeeping. It just like just here, take it. You know, just take it. And it's like, oh, I thought for a moment that it was fine. When in fact, I have to be involved. It's my business. I couldn't just throw it at them and walk away. So that's the first thing is kind of that wholesale, you know, just here, take it. And it's really out of this, again, a kind of a limbic fear response of, I don't want this, you know, it's yucky here, go over there. The other thing is, I would say that another big one, why we don't embrace our authentic self is, as you said, the world around us is built for neurotypicals. And as we are wired for, you know, relating and relating to our world, we are really wired for external prompts. We're, we're just craving these external prompts, cues of what to do, how to do it. And what's the message we get? The message we get is you do it this way, the systematic way that we've always done it. Yeah. And so then we see that as the model of success and try to make that happen. Yeah, and, and I've so got that, a quick... Uh... Go ahead. A quick aside on that note, the presentation that I gave that stemmed this podcast, I put my slide deck together three days, starting three days before the slide deck was due. And this was a 90-minute presentation. I had not put together a single slide, but it was fine. And here's why. In a previous life, I would wait to compose a presentation and I would feel guilty about it and I would feel panic. And then when I would finally sit down to do it, it would just come together magically. Well, it's not magic. See, now that I understand more about how my brain works, I was writing that talk from the moment my proposal was accepted. So all I had to do, and that was months, by the way. So all I had to do was sit down and organize that information. 
So the difference between previous experiences and this one is I didn't allow myself to feel guilty about the fact that I was doing it the last minute. It was a great presentation. It went over really well. I conveyed all of the points that I wanted to convey, right? So why am I feeling guilty? Because other people think that it's irresponsible or lazy of me to put it together at the last minute. I know that that's what works for me because I know that I am outlining it in my head. And when I sit down closer to that due date, it will come together and always, always does. I trust that now. Whereas before I wouldn't trust it and I'd sit down in a panic. Is it going to come together? Well, now I know it's going to come together. It always does. Right. And back to this notion of energy conservation, right? right. That, that was the previous way in the panic and the guilt. Over months, right? Over months, this expenditure of energy, right? This precious energy that we, we really have to, we want to conserve, right? For those efforts where we've got to push the wagon over the, over the pass, if it were, as it were, right? To get that completion, to get the, the talk done. Nice example. Thank you. So we are short on time for today. So we're going to take a pause here and pick up next week, continuing this conversation. Our website is translatingadhd.com. And as of right now, all of our episodes have been recorded previously, but our recording schedule will eventually catch up to your all's feedback. So please keep submitting that via Twitter um, or via the contact form on our website. And for today, I am Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.